The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Valentine's Day, and I'm joined by my two Valentines, Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Dan, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a couple days. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Uh, glad to talk to my two favorite sweethearts here as uh, we approach Valentine's Day here in about six to nine minutes from now. Yeah, if you guys All haven't right. gone out there and picked up a gift for your nearest and dearest Valentine, please make sure you do it while you're listening to this show. Uh, aren't you? how are you on this uh, this beautiful Valentine's Day? <laughs> so, so good. So and much love in the air. There is. This is this is a great start to the app. There's nothing I can possibly add to tell you guys how much I love you. I feel like this is going to be an elite show. And uh, speaking <laughs> of elite, Dan, we've got Joe Flacco leaving the AFC North. What a sad day. Uh, we're going to miss him. And uh, I think especially as, as our teams played him twice a year, we're going to miss the ability to just pick him off and allow him to dump it down the field on, on, on our teams. But what do you think of this Flacco deal for Denver, more importantly? Uh, they trade what sounds like it's going to be a mid-round pick. They can't officially announce the terms until middle of March, but uh, this trade obviously means that they're going to shop Keenum, and they're going to make a 34-year-old Joe Flacco who's been fighting back issues for the last year their starting quarterback of the future. Does this make any sense to you at all? No. Uh, I mean, especially when Vegas lowers your Super Bowl odds when you trade for a quarterback <laughs> is not not really a good sign. You mentioned they'll trade Keenum. I don't necessarily think that's true. I mean, a guy like Case Keenum is perfect to have as your backup. We know Joe Flacco only has so much time left. Who knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy for uh, the, this whole season? I mean, not that he's had major injury problems before. But he's definitely been banged up. And he's just getting older, so I don't necessarily think this means automatically he's going to tra- he's going to uh, be traded. Keenum, that is. So I think you can see both of them still sitting there in Denver here as the season comes uh, full circle here in a couple months. But definitely going to be a little sad to see him go, just because it, it was nice to see some aging quarterbacks in the AFC North. Uh, was getting excited just to roll all over uh, all these old fogey quarterbacks we had here. Uh, I don't think Lamar Jackson is necessarily the answer. I don't think he is going to, is going to have that great of a year, uh, but it, that remains a little bit of an unknown. And if he all of a sudden balls out, we have a division race again that we maybe weren't expecting as much before this. Yeah. So the Ravens obviously looking to the future. I mean, they, they could definitely theoretically keep Keenum. I, I don't, think they will it's been reported that they're going to shop him and try to trade him whether or not there's a suitor for him is a different story um you know obviously he wasn't the answer this past season and and you know he had spurts in minnesota but he wasn't necessarily the guy so aren't you first of all thoughts on the trade and then second of all thinking about baltimore you know do you think lamar jackson can turn into the guy in baltimore to keep this team relevant uh first of all 
I'll answer the second one. I absolutely think Lamar Jackson could be that guy. We just don't really know, though, yet. We haven't seen enough of him. I will say, after that first season, I, I would say I was a little bit discouraged, if anything. I really thought that he would be a better passer than he showed himself to be. So um, I did not think he would be so dependent on his legs. And hopefully they open up the playbook for him a little bit more next season. They add some weapons around him and you know, we see all the true ability that Lamar Jackson showed at Louisville, but, um, you know, didn't seem to see that the second half of last season. Second of all, I don't know if you guys knew this, but did you know Joe Flacco is four years older than Case Keenum? I had no idea. I thought they were both just old veteran quarterbacks. He won a Super Bowl, though. He did. He is, he is elite in that way. But, you know, when they played, Flacco did show some some flashes of the old Flacco getting the ball down the field, the Smocky Brown in particular. But, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I don't see how you could possibly see this as an upgrade unless they think they're basically going to reclaim what apparently will be the fourth rounder that they're trading for Flacco. If they can get a fourth or a fifth back for Keenum, you know, that maybe makes sense. I still think, you know, Denver's drafting at number 10. Everyone has circled them with Missouri quarterback Drew Locke. I think that still makes a ton of sense. That's exactly the kind of quarterback – that John Elway loves the tall, you know, athletic, white, frankly, quarterback that they normally have. I mean, Case Keenum's kind of the exception to that, but I, I mean, that makes still makes a ton of sense. I don't think this precludes them from drafting a QB early, and uh, maybe it's you know like a, a smokescreen in that way that they only give up a fourth rounder to smokescreen their love for whether it's Daniel Jones or Drew Locke or whoever. I, I still think they go quarterback in the first round. They kind of have to, you would think. I mean, you look at the quarterback class, they might be able to get somebody in the second round, uh, you know, in this draft just because it's not particularly strong at the quarterback position. But, you know, as the draft nears closer, some of these teams that are desperate for a quarterback yeah. are going to they're gonna reach for one. Uh, that was Ian Rappaport that, that did mention that they're going to try to shop Case Keenum. So that, you would think, means that they have to go out and draft a quarterback, Dan. I mean, it, it, Flacco's 34, he, he's, he's fought injuries, and he hasn't been all that productive other than that one big year where he won the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's got a big arm, uh, but with the injuries that he's facing, you, you would have to think they draft a quarterback early in this draft, no? I, I mean, that's the logical answer, but this quarterback class is so bad. I mean, I know Anshu can probably speak a little bit better to it just because he's it a little, little more of a draft <laughs> nerd, but... I mean, maybe there's a diamond in the rough there, but uh, it's just, I, I, I mean, is there even going to be a quarterback that would in any other year go in the top 10? Yeah, I, I think Haskins and I think Kyler Murray in some circles will still be that guy. But I personally think that it's going to be, it's probably Haskins. Haskins is about where you'd take Josh Allen last year, maybe Josh Rosen, um, but yeah, it's not pretty. The other two guys, you're looking at Daniel Jones from Duke, probably a top 15 pick this year. But you know, in other years, he's he's probably like an early second rounder. I mean, you know, he's probably around where Mason Rudolph got taken last year. And you know, yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray's ex- like a perfect proxy for Lamar Jackson. So you know, yeah, your point's well taken. I, I'm not sure. You know, teams are going to force it though. It's just. The way that it, that it goes, that teams trade up for quarterbacks, it's just the the price of playing poker in the NFL. I'd love to see Will Greer drop into that second round and be taken by the oh, Cincinnati will. Bengals. I, I think he's got a big arm, uh, flew under the radar a little bit. I know West Virginia had a good year last year, but uh, he's he had an extremely productive career. A little undersized, but he's got an arm. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see my team 
be, maybe take a stab at him. But there's just it, it's not a deep quarterback class. You're, you're going to have to take a little bit of a reach on on somebody, and hopefully that pans out. But for Denver, it sure as hell hasn't uh, with the quarterbacks they've taken. You think of Paxton Lynch, you think of Brock Osweiler, you think of uh, you know. Trevor Simeon, it just every quarterback that they've drafted has ended up starting in several games for them and not playing well. They go out and get Case Keenum. He doesn't do well either, and now they're bringing in an aging veteran who's fought injuries over the last year. So uh, we'll see if it works out. You know, obviously John Elway hasn't had success uh, since he was a quarterback in Denver at the quarterback position. Well, you could, I guess you could call Peyton Manning a success at the tail end of his career, but uh, but yeah, they, they've struggled Locked over the last few. What's that? Completely lost. He's completely lucked into that too. Yeah, like I absolutely. mean, Manning Manning wanted to play on a team that had young receivers and an awesome defense, and it worked out perfectly for him that he had Adam Gase there. I mean, it, it, I I think John Elway has skated by with some awesome defenses and really pretty good coaches, which I guess is a credit to him. But for a guy that's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer, he has done an awful job of finding them or attempting to find them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say that that quarterback whisper narrative can probably be put to bed at this point for yeah. for John Elway. Uh, we could just call him a quarterback because he was good at that. Um, but let's talk uh, the next big national news story that happened in the NFL in a few days uh, in the last few days, and it's especially big in Cleveland. Dan, we've got uh, Kareem Hunt, who has ties to Cleveland. Obviously, played at Toledo. The incident that uh, you know had him on film kicking and pushing a girl uh, happened in a Cleveland hotel. And then he obviously has ties to, to John Dorsey as well. So uh, the, the, the good thing for the Browns here, obviously, is that they get one of the most talented running backs who was having an excellent season at an extreme discount. He's only going to make 645,000. Uh, and it, it sounds like he could be suspended in the six game, uh, four to six game range. Uh, but, but football wise, I mean, this makes a ton of sense adding him to the backfield that already includes Nick Chubb. Uh, where do you see as a, as a Cleveland fan, obviously, you know, there's going to be uh, some people out there who say that, you know, this isn't worth the risk that this guy has had, you know, issues. And obviously there's going to be guys out there in Cleveland that want to give him a second chance. But uh, just thinking about it from a po- football perspective, it, it makes a lot of sense. No. Yeah. From a football perspective, it, there's not really a smarter move so far in the off season on a strictly X's and O's, uh, perspective uh he's one of the best running backs in the nfl you put him with nick chubb i mean that backfield is just absolutely deadly uh, unfortunately we don't play football in just the simply access nose world it's played in the real world uh so a lot of a lot of reactions in cleveland obviously uh one of those things that i think you hear the objectors more than the the majority there i mean a lot of people very upset on social media with the signing of them uh, but there was also a poll done. Uh, uh, I forget if it was like ESPN Cleveland or, or uh, Cleveland.com or you know something like that. Of do you support the signing? And seventy percent of people said yes, and only thirty percent said no. Uh, but you obviously saw the thirty percent much more active on social media. So uh, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's still a football town, and for better or worse. I think if he is scoring touchdowns on the Pittsburgh Steelers, people are going to look the other way on that. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, I think it's up for, for everyone individually to decide uh, you know, whether he deserves a second chance or um, whether he doesn't deserve a second chance. And uh, I don't think that's our call to make. Uh, but from a strictly football standpoint, this, is, this makes one absolutely scary backfield. 
Yeah, I mean, as much as I'd love to jump on the other side and say, you know, this guy doesn't deserve a second chance. He knew what he was doing. He's had other incidents. He had an incident in Putin Bay in Ohio, uh, you know, at, at, uh, a couple years back. So he's, there's definitely questionable character flaws. But, you know, rooting for a team that took Joe Mixon, who had a similar incident uh, when he was at Oklahoma, you know, people. People tend to forget about those things if your production is there on the field. And I know that's not necessarily good. And there's always going to be, you know, the, the, the doubters and the people who are going to remember you as the person who pushed a woman in a hotel. But, you know, if he's productive on the field, Cleveland is going to end up falling in love with this guy. And he's obviously got Ohio ties. So as much as I don't condone or think what he did was, you know, forgivable or any of that, you know, guys get second chances in sports. And if you have talent, they're going to be more willing to take that chance on you. So, uh, you know, Ray Rice didn't get that extra chance, but he was toward the tail end of his career already. So, uh, Anji, what are your thoughts on the whole Kareem Hunt saga? Uh, I mean, I think you guys nailed it. I think that, you know, I, I the one thing I'll disagree on is it's not a perfect fit X's and O's wise. Like he's a star, no question. And you take the risk for a million dollars, but they do have Nick Chubb. They do have Duke Johnson. They already had such a surplus in the backfield that they traded away, you know, Carlos Hyde, who had, they had just signed to a two or three year deal, it, you know, the, the uh, pre- preceding off season. So, you know, they, they're, they were in a good spot in their backfield. Nick Chubb is a, you know, a burgeoning star in this league as well. And I, I just, you know, I don't think they needed to do it. I think that the fil- familiarity of John Dorsey having drafted Kareem Hunt to the Chiefs and, you know, the fact that he's from the area, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that con- contractually it makes a ton of sense. I mean, if, Dan, you said six-game suspension, Adam Schefter said 10 to 12. And I believe if that if he doesn't play six full games in the next season – it doesn't count as a season, like an accrued season or his contract. So they'll actually have him for another year after that before they get the restricted free agency that they also possess him for. So like just from a personnel perspective, like from a from an investment perspective, it's a an awesome deal for Cleveland. I just I don't think it was a necessary move and I think that's where a lot of the, the issues have come in, you know, the media and, and also on social media. Are you surprised? Are either of you surprised that he got signed as quickly as he did? Do you think this was the Browns jumping in an opportunity and wanting to be the first one to the table? Or I mean, because I, I feel like he probably would have gotten slightly better offers the longer that this thing played out. He actually made more money out of this, Josh. Like by by getting cut, he actually got more because what the the Browns assigned him to a one million dollar deal, which doesn't sound like much, and you're right, it's not much. But you know, it's more than he would have gotten had he stayed with kansas city so like he somehow got paid for this and it's wild to me i and i do think i think both can be true that both i'm surprised that he's that he got signed so quickly and also you know i think cleveland jumped at a really good opportunity and and one rumor piece that i saw and i don't know uh, how valid this is but the uh, speculation was brown signed him to avoid you know the steelers signing him or you know, obviously the Ravens or the Bengals, uh, but primarily Pittsburgh. And then with the potential that they flip them at the draft now yeah. that they have his, have his rights. So I think on some level, it's, you know, if you're a Cleveland fan, obviously uh, what he did was very, very wrong. Um, whether he actually is on the roster come September, he may not. I mean, this could be just uh, John Dorsey saying, you know, hey, we're going to catch heat for a couple months. We're going to flip it and, you know, we're going to flip them, uh, you know, and come out of this thing with a, I don't know, second round pick. Could be. 
yeah, it'll be an interesting story to follow. We'll see what the suspension ends up looking like and, you know, whether or not he does get on the field at some point later in the year. But you've got to assume it's going to be somewhat severe. Um, but let's talk Antonio Brown. We're, we're staying really in the AFC North. We talked about what the Ravens had leave them. We talked about what the Browns have added. And now we talk about what the Steelers could potentially lose in Antonio Brown. We already know we've talked Le'Veon Bell's saga the entire season. And now Antonio Brown, who's demanded a trade, has already – uh, you know, had a lot going on on social media saying he's done in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he's trying to will this into existence, but the Steelers are in a tough place here because of the contract situation. Uh, Antonio Brown would be owed a lot of money, and they've put themselves in a position that if they trade him, this could be a negative for them. So, Anshu, tell me why it makes sense for the Steelers to trade one of the most talented receivers in the NFL, as much as I don't like him. I mean, it doesn't make any sense financially. I'll say that they have to eat $21 million of signing bonus money. No matter what, it's dead for them unless they trade him into a situation where they acquire a player who also has a big signing bonus and that player's team agrees to pay for that player's signing bonus. It sounds convoluted, but basically the reality is they're, they're done. They're If they don't trade him regardless whenever they trade him they're on the hook for 21 million dollars in cash to antonio brown now other teams can trade for just his straight up yearly salary which is between 10 and 12 million over the next two years which is an absurd deal even though he's going to be 31 next season that's just a crazy good deal especially because none of that money is guaranteed so they could cut him at any point and not be on the hook for any of that to their salary cap. So he is a you know a hot commodity, and the reality is the the Steelers are just totally they got put in the absolute worst place that they could. And you know the and it, this it's just a cherry on top of and they put themselves in it. They put themselves yeah, they, in that place. Is. Well, did they? Like I feel like Brown screwed them. But what 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 I. I'm interested to hear what the background of this was. Again, I, I he didn't show up to practice a few days that week, right? And then they didn't. They decided not to play him on Sunday of Week 16, and then he was pissed off and basically sat out Week 17, and then demanded the trade. Is that right? Yeah, and I think it all started with an altercation on the sidelines uh, with one of the assistant coaches that kind of spiraled out of control, and then there were some issues at practice, and he left practice. And yeah, it's it's. I mean, the whole situation. There was just so much drama during this Pittsburgh season; it was hard to keep track of it all. Um, but but I mean, financially, <laughs> they put them. That. Not necessarily they put themselves in this position because Antonio Brown wants out. I just mean financially, they've put them themselves. Himself oh, in yes. somewhat of a predicament here, where if you trade him, it, you know financially you're kind of screwed yourself over just by this the, the contract situation that you've put him in. Yeah, hundred percent. And so there's really you know the talks out there that they want a first rounder, and I just don't see how they ever get one because Browns you know Browns record now speaks for itself as far as a player, not not on the field because on the field he's an absolute star career high in touchdowns one of the second or third best in targets you know of his career like he's he's as good as he's ever been but like off the field what I mean what kind of team is going to trade for him right now that's you know maybe it's like a middling team that really needs to run the risk but like why would a good what scenario is going to be better for him than the Pittsburgh passing game is my question yeah, I mean, and I it's kind of troubling to me that, that Pittsburgh's ready to move on. I mean, they've got Juju Smith-Schuster. He was in the Pro Bowl this year. He's a great receiver, but, you know, you you have a great one-two punch, and this team's just their, their complexion on the offensive side of the ball will change so much. But, Dan, kind of in that vein, if it isn't Pittsburgh, where do you see him ended up landing? Uh, that's a very good question. 
I mean, like Anshu said, the the demand for him is probably exceeding what the actual value is. I just I, I see uh, the, uh, this being Le'Veon Bell 2.0, and just the Steelers not learning from their mistakes and just continuing this tre- trend of bungling every every kind of major star uh, they have. It just if that's really what they're seeking out of it, it's just not going to get done. And you're going to have a scenario where. Uh, you know, especially if they have to eat the money anyway, you're going to see him. I could very much see him not get traded and, you know, just be sitting out week after week uh, because of how much of that money is guaranteed. And Pittsburgh saying, screw it, we're not going to trade him and we're going to call your bluff, uh, especially because now that this has happened with Le'Veon, uh, it just looks like the Steelers are a team who can on some level get pushed around a little bit and you don't really sure. want to set that precedent. Uh, with future players, uh, if you now have your two biggest stars uh, just get completely bungled, and you know obviously the Le'Veon situation didn't really work out for either of them, I would argue. Um, but you know the fact that they nobody ever caved, uh, like I said, you don't want to leave that precedent for the next star. If if you go two in a row, you know all of a sudden there's a pattern there. Yeah, I'm going to make a prediction. I think the next domino to fall here with Pittsburgh is going to be Ben. Roethlisberger retiring after this season. I think that they oh, they, they blew the whole Le'Veon Bell situation. He won't be in Pittsburgh. I do think they're going to end up trading him. I think San Francisco is a destination that a lot of people are talking about. I think it makes the most football sense, and I think he'll have an opportunity to be to really carry the torch there because they don't really have a pure number one receiver. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, they have other weapons at other positions. So I, I think that makes football sense. But if he leaves. Le'Veon obviously had the situation where he sits out the whole season and then they miss the playoffs and then Roethlisberger ends up retiring after this season. Can you just imagine the implosion that, that Pittsburgh Steelers fans would feel? And I finally get the I wish what I've, been, what I've been hoping for my entire <laughs> football career, uh, f- football fandom career, I should say. And I, I would just I would just love it. I'm, I'm watching it unravel and I just I am smiling ear to ear. I'm watching the changing of the guard. Unfortunately, it's looking like the Browns probably have the best chance to win the division at this point. I'm going to hate them. But right now, as it stands, I get to just sit back and watch the Steelers just absolutely unravel. It's great. It's one thing you guys can definitely agree on. One thing that you you said, you, you brought up Roethlisberger. And I wonder, I, you know, there's definitely been some bitterness between Brown and Roethlisberger. I wonder if you think, if they think that Roethlisberger is a year away from retirement, like, why not just – I know, I know it feels like sacrilege, but just cut ties with them and ride it out with Brown and Juju and let Mason Rudolph or whoever else step in and, you know, be the guy. Like, see what you can get for Roethlisberger, you know? Like, I, I feel like that's a better way to go about it than to try and trade Brown for peanuts and still owe him the $21 million that they do owe him. Yeah, it's interesting. And also, you know, you, you think about the chemistry that they've developed over the course of their career. I mean, that's not something that comes – easy and it's not something that Antonio Brown's just going to pick up and and have with another quarterback. I mean, I think about, you know, Chad Johnson and the chemistry he had with Carson Palmer and when he left, he never developed that chemistry and he played with other great quarterbacks, Tom Brady for one, uh, and he just never had that chemistry again and he was never the same type of receiver for any other team. Antonio Brown's a very similar type of receiver to what Chad was and I'd be interested to see if he is able to develop that same type of chemistry with another guy uh, in his career at this at this age of what would you say he is 31 I mean he's not yeah. exactly a young buck but uh, you know he, he should be able to play another four years or five years at least but you know you just never know what's going to happen changing something so significant at that point in your career when you've been playing with 
I hate to say this, but one of the all-time greats at the quarterback position. Oh, man, this has been a real up-and-down show for you. I can tell you're going through a, a ton of emotions right now. Yeah, it's always tough for me, obviously. But uh, let's let's move on from the NFL. I mean, I know <laughs> we, we we always say we're, we're done, and but then we just get sucked back into the storylines, and it's going to continue it's happening, uh, which is great. That's why we love the NFL. But we haven't talked a lot of college basketball on this show, and we just had one of the better college basketball games so far this season with Duke coming back from being 23 down to beat Louisville. Uh, this, this Duke team, I mean, the talent level is, has been there the entire season, but they just keep coming out and making surprises or it was surprising us. I don't know if you saw that Zion block the other day. I think it was against Virginia uh, where he just jumps from like basically the other side of the court yeah. uh, to dig, uh, block one out of bounds. I mean, this guy's athleticism is through the roof, uh, the way that they were able to, to be resilient and come back. And I'm not a Duke guy either, so this is not, you know, I, but this team is just talented from front to back, they've got multiple guys who are going to go in the lottery, aren't you? We haven't talked a ton of college basketball, but can anybody beat Duke? Can anybody do it? I know that they've lost a couple games this year, but can anybody beat them when tournament time rolls around? Yeah, I mean, it's not unlike that Kentucky team that was undefeated before a certain Big Ten team from the upper Midwest beat them in the Final Four. But, you know, there's they're, they're good. They're not they're, – they have flaws, though. Like, they're not a super good shooting team like – Cam Reddish just has not realized his potential at all as as a great three-point shooter. Trey Jones is working his way back from injury. I feel like Duke, you know, we know what they could be fully realized. They're going to be easily the most popular team in the tournament as long as Zion's healthy. They're going to be the team everyone picks. But, you know, they're, they're definitely flawed. I, I would say the gap between them and the rest of the country is smaller than, you know, what we've seen in past years with number one overall teams like say Nova last year or, you know, Virginia and other years. I, I mean, maybe not Virginia, but Kentucky certainly in other years, Florida. I mean, I, I, I think there are teams that can beat Duke. We've seen, like you said, other teams have beaten them. Gonzaga beats them at a neutral site. I, I, I think they'll win, but if you had to give me Duke or the field, I'll probably take the field right now. Interesting. So you, you are, uh, I, I've noticed Jalen Rose has been kind of, uh, throwing a little bit of shade at Duke lately, and I'm, I'm not an ESPN guy. It just happens to come up on my feed. And he said that he doesn't necessarily think that Zion will be a superstar in the NBA. He say that said that he doesn't think Duke will win the tournament this year. Uh, and I, I just – I think it's hard to argue with the talent. And obviously coupling talent with one of the best coaches of all time, I just – I don't know. I mean, Dan, do you have any thoughts here? I mean, do you think do you think that somebody can come in and knock off Duke? I know they've lost games, like I said, but I just – I want to I want to believe it. I want it to happen. I just don't know that it will. Yeah, I, I mean, Tennessee, Gonzaga, uh, you know, they played a really close game earlier this year, um, but that's really the, the only win – the only big win Tennessee's really had. Um, they've had kind of a cupcake schedule other than that. Uh, and this, like you guys mentioned, this Duke team is just so athletic, so freaky. Um, you know, this is the, uh, you know, kind of the, the NCAA basketball version of, you know, can Bama beat uh, yeah. the Browns or whoever else is, you know, whatever garbage NFL team uh, you want to pick. Um, and, and that's kind of what this Duke team looks like is the kind of question mark of, uh, can Duke beat the Cavs right now? Easy. Um, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> you know, which, you know, if Colin Sexton twists an ankle, I think they, Duke has a shot. Uh, but this team is just so good. I don't, I don't really foresee them getting beat. Like I said, um, you know, those couple of the teams 
towards the top uh, just haven't really played the same schedule that Duke has um, and, and just don't look anywhere near as talented. Yeah, Anshu, I've got to ask, what month comes after February? I believe we're closing in on this being March, Josh. And it's starting to feel a little bit like March. I, I don't it know is. about you, but some of these games this past weekend were just excellent, uh, and it's kind of carried through here into the week. And, you know, as the season gets closer and closer, teams vying for positioning, and then the conference tournaments happen. And before you know it, uh, you know, the greatness that is March Madness will be right on the horizon. So figured we'd want to touch a little bit on what Duke was able to do here and uh, just, you know, what the what the competitive – field looks like but uh it's 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 getting closer and it's getting me a little bit excited i'm watching a lot more college hoops so uh before we end this though Anshu, what do you have for us for your oh by the way i have dose today the first is yes the first is all right so hypothetically if you were to win let's say 1.3 million dollars in a golf tournament how much would you tip your caddy five thousand off the top Five thousand? Do you know the story already? <laughs> I may have read something about it. Okay. Matt no, Cougar probably a hundred bucks. Seriously? I mean, I, if I won a tournament, I don't know. One point three million. Matt Kuchar oh, wins the yikes. Mayakoba Classic, and he ends up giving only five thousand dollars to his 1. replacement 3. caddy, David Gurel Ortiz. So um, he said he offered him twenty. Ortiz refused, said that they agreed upon for three, and then he ended up giving him 5000 And he said he felt good about it. So, I don't know. I would have troubles tipping less than twenty k, right? I feel like that's the going rate, especially when you're a multimillionaire like Kuchar is. Well, I mean, you're a resident golf expert. You're a resident golf pro. So, I, I don't – I would never win a tournament. So, I would have to tip my oh, caddy just to carry my damn clubs back right, to the I clubhouse because they're all broken at that point. <laughs> 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 that's true. You have to rebuy them for you. <laughs> yeah. What's your second one? My second one is I'm excited to rekindle this leftovers crew in person this weekend. Very excited for that. And uh, very glad to be spending time with you guys and our very good buddy Zane. So congrats to him. Yeah, big sports guy. He'll definitely be listening to this and hear that. Uh, 100%. <laughs> you know he will. <laughs> All right. So I, I've got two quick ones here, and then we'll let Dan close us out. Um James Harden, obviously, been unreal this year. Uh, he's now extended his 30-point streak to 31 games. Uh, this is the second-longest streak in NBA history. So even though the Rockets stink, uh, James Harden has continued to be extraordinary on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I, it's amazing that he keeps getting better. And I just his game is so odd to me because he, you don't, he doesn't strike you as being you know the most athletic guy on the court at all times or – you know, somebody who's going to be able to beat you off the dribble. And he gets away with a little bit, but he's just unreal to watch. Uh, he just makes the most ridiculous shots. And then my other one, Ennis Cantor. I just wanted to talk about this because it's been so funny to keep track of this story. So he had like seven out of eight, uh, did not play coaching coach's decision in a row. Uh, you know, he, he was tweeting out. He There was one situation where he thought his name was called on the bench, got up and went to the scores table, and then he was like, that wasn't you that was supposed to go in the game. So he had to walk back to the scores table, passed his head coach, uh, but he ends up finally uh, getting cut and didn't get traded at the deadline, but he gets cut and he signs with the Portland Trailblazers, interestingly enough. So he had an opportunity to sign with the Lakers. He chose Portland because he thinks he'll have a better opportunity to get more minutes there. So uh, I just, 
I, I don't know if you guys had followed that at all, but Anis Cantor, I've never really been a big fan of him. He trolled LeBron quite a bit when he was in Cleveland, and I couldn't stand him for that. Uh, in hindsight, I love it because I can't stand LeBron, but uh, it, it, it has just been a funny story to keep track of as, uh, as entertainment for this NBA season. All right, Dan, why don't you take us home? Quick aside, is there a more forgettable team than the Portland Trail Blazers? Like, if you had a list, Easy. like, hey, write down a list of oh, I'm watching them right now. Just because NBA you picked NBA them to lose to the Pelicans last year doesn't mean they're forgettable. <laughs> well, anyway, but you're right. No, that, that's a, that's uh, a they're fact. They're pretty bad. No, just like if you had a list, like, hey, list all 30 NBA teams, like, you'd, I feel like 90, that would be in like the 90th percentile of forgotten teams. Oh. On, on next week's show, I asked Dan the 30 NBA teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Study up, Danny. Pelicans number one. Uh, but go. my, oh, by the way, uh, in some more receiver news, if we haven't talked enough NFL wide receiver updates uh, on this show, is a couple of Cleveland radios uh, were tweeting at Odell and said, you know, how basically how good you'd look in a Browns uniform with Baker Mayfield thrown to you. Uh, and that is what prompt, or at least very close proximity to that timeline, uh, is when uh, OBJ tweeted out the emoji with the zipper mouth, uh, whatever you want to call that. And so there's some obviously some major speculation there um, that there's some stuff going behind the scenes with the Giants and the Browns. Uh, I mean, they got the money. The Browns have like $70 million uh, in cap space this offseason. So uh, if there was ever a place to spend a whole bunch of money, Let's do it, Browns. You're going to be insufferable during football season. I can already feel it. But uh, it, it is fact. The Browns definitely are positioning themselves to be the favorites in the AFC North. And I, we can't even get a defensive coordinator signed by Valentine's Day. So it's uh, it's going to be another rough one for the Bengals, Bengals organization, I think, next year. So kudos to you, Dan. At least one of us gets a team that does well next year. All right, boys. It's been a fun show. We've gone a little long in the tooth. We've dropped it back to weekly. So we want to give you guys a little bit more. Uh, but we will We'll see you next week. For Anshu Khan and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. Happy Valentine's Day.